0: It, comics. It, Welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. That's comic books. If you're curious, this is the only podcast hosted by two brothers talking about a thing they love, and that thing is comic books. Uh, as I said, we are two brothers, and we are friends, and we are kind of comedians, and I'm one of them, and my name is Kevin Hines. And i the other one. My name is Will Hines. We're a handful of seasons into this show and we're currently covering a demanded by our listeners storyline called Superior Spider-Man. This is a storyline by Dan Slott uh, where uh, Dr. Octopus, Otto Octavius, has defeated Spider-Man by taking over his body and his life, killing Peter Parker. So Peter Parker no longer exists. Dr. Octopus is Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. And he is proving himself, in his own mind, to be the superior Spider-Man. Yeah. And the message of the book is that he's right. He's 100% right. Everything Mm -hmm. he does is good and it works. There's no moral ambiguity. um, And everything's just going great. Every issue begins with a criminal and a personal problem. And he solves it by about issue five. And then the rest of the issues are just Dr. Octopus, you know, working on logistics. Yeah. Peter Parker is proven to be a a bad character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not somebody worth your time to follow. Yep. And this is a better character. Uh, Otto Octavius, the nuclear scientist with the bull haircut from the original comics. Who's twice tried to remove the ozone from the atmosphere. Who yeah. uh, teams up with every bad guy sort of all the time. Has tried to commit murder and murder Spider-Man several times throughout the years. Yeah, has dealt with arachnophobia for a while. I mean, he's had his ups and downs. And so that's what we're that's what we're covering. And this, this episode, we're going to go over issues 11 to 16. Really, we're just going to in-depth cover issue 14. Yeah. And kind, of, kind of in summary, go over the other stuff too. And Kevin, what's going on in the, in the big picture here? So up to this point for a while, Peter Parker, like a remnant of Peter Parker's memory remained in Otto's brain. And he has very recently uh, eradicated, erased uh, all the Peter Parker memories so that uh, there's no little remnant of Peter in his brain anymore. He got rid of Peter Parker. Now it's just Otto Octavius. He's free of the nagging goodness of Peter Parker, and now he can be the full-on auto version of Spider-Man, which leans very heavily into supervillain territory. And this arc, these arcs we're going to cover today, where he really goes full-on supervillain-style superhero. Yeah, up until now, he's kind of been like uh, half and half, like he's done some good using sort of cold calculating means he's been a bit more violent on occasionally murderously violent but he's, those have been sparing he's murdered a murderer right and he's brutally beaten up some some villains some of which were relatively harmless villains but uh, insulted him but they've been mean <laughs> uh and he yeah he's been more like logically you know it's like well If I, Big Brother style, put spider bots all over the city, I can watch everyone. I don't need to swing around patrolling. I don't need to stop every fire. That's the firefighter. I'll focus on the big things, which is a little more uh, uh, clinical than Peter Parker would be. He also does research ahead of time if he's fighting a villain and he'll have like secret plans in place, which that's already a very superior Spider-Man move, which not so much Peter Parker move. Yeah, but he's more he's more interested in results than necessarily saving people. Yeah, I would say he's like, oh, I I stopped that villain. I win versus like, oh, I helped as many people as I could. Yeah, he's not a good guy. Like, it's pretty clear all the time that he's he's not that good a dude. He's also getting his Ph.D. because uh, Peter Parker... Didn't quite graduate uh, Oh, he graduated college, but did not get his Ph.D. And so that infuriates Dr. Octopus (laughs) not to be a doctor. So he's getting his Ph.D. He has fallen in love with a woman named Anna. I mean, he's sort of kind of pushed Mary Jane out of his life and some Mm -hmm. of other Peter Parker's other friends. He sort of does not deal with other than Aunt May. Who he adores, that dear sweet woman. Yes, who he went uh, to married in the 1970s. Right, he married her. I think he attempted to marry her. I don't think the mm-hmm. marriage went through. I think it was I remember the cover. They were at the altar with these, uh, with this ring. I. The web. I think was the the words on the cover of uh, Yeah Otto Octavius trying to marry Aunt May. It's very, very silly. Uh, that did not <laughs> happen, though. But th- there is a weird connection between those two characters that never quite goes away because readers love it. <laughs> yeah, so that's sort of where we are story-wise. The, the, again, this arc is where I think he goes su- full supervillain. The issue I picked that we're going to go over in depth, issue 14, isn't necessarily the best issue from this little stretch. Yeah, why don't you I think- pick it? But I think it best represents how supervillain Otto has gone. Like, it's got henchmen and bases and giant (laughs) robots and manipulation. Like, he's very evil, despite the fact that what he does in that issue is theoretically good. He stops a villain, like, that should have been stopped ages ago. And he does it definitively. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a bit. And I there's something very fun to me about, like, Spider-Man having henchmen. Yeah, you're right. Um, It's funny every time Superior Spider-Man, every time Auto-Spidey gets like a little more like surface villainy, it's really funny. Yeah. I'm just waiting for him to attach arms to his spider suit, you know, get Um, the arms back. It happens. So there you go. Oh, exciting. Uh, Not quite tentacle arms, but he does, I think, eventually have like... um, Oh, I see in a battle, he's got like spider legs coming out of his back. Yeah, I think he's got those happening. I'm in more like a more dramatic, just like full on returning to Dr. (laughs) Octopus form. That doesn't get a pot no. belly. He's like, this body is too in shape. I need it to be stocky and sort of weird looking. Yeah, he's, he's uncomfortable being in shape. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't like being so good looking. Yeah. It's a bowl uh, cut. The first arc that we're not going to go in depth on is about the execution of Smythe. Alistair, mm-hmm. I think, Smythe, the spider slayer, this guy who has created robots uh, that are designed to kill Spider-Man. Yes, who originally was sponsored by none other than J. Jonah Jameson. That's right. Uh, he is also responsible for the death of Marla Jameson in a previous arc. Uh, so is that Jay a dance lot story? That's a dance Slott story. Yeah. So okay. Jake Jonah uh, Jameson is very uh, the mayor of New York City is very invested in the execution of Alistair Smythe. I think it's Alistair. Yes, yeah, so um, we get we he, get like a three issue like action story like. Mm-hmm. J. Jonah Jameson, the mayor, wants to see this guy, you know, he's, he's a right-wing mayor who's in favor of like capital punishment and punishing criminals to the maximum degree, no mercy, make my day kind of justice. Yeah. And in particular, almost uh, a Trumpian and like, this is an enemy of his. This is like, yeah, it's personal. don't cross me. He has become friends with Otto Spidey because hilariously, as soon as Otto took over Spidey's body, Jameson loves him. He can sort of smell the evil villain in him and they get along. Yeah, so he's asked Spidey to come along in case Smythe tries to pull something. Yeah, he wants to make sure this happens. And the best way to do that is the hero that Jay Jonah has always trusted, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. And so there's a little bit of a payoff of earlier things because Spidey has been like brutally beating some supervillains. So they're in this raft where Smythe is getting executed, like the vulture who's been blinded by auto spidey is here scorpion whose jaw was punched off by spidey is here Jesus. boomerang who i think all of his bones were just broken until like just a near immobile state is here yeah, that's right yeah, the, the, the idea of a spidey who just is has no boundary of violence is scary like he could just like like, what if he just tried to kill as many people as he could in New York? How far would he get? He'd get through, like, thousands, right? I mean, at some point, the Avengers and the Fantastic Four get involved. But uh, yeah. in, but in how a world far? without other heroes, no, nobody stops this guy, I think. Yeah. So, and if it's just supervillains who nobody is necessarily minding if he goes after, it's a bad day for them. Yeah. I mean, uh, Otto definitely is cut from the cloth of, if I brutally destroy these guys they'll stop trying. They won't keep escaping and in, in attempting crime because the punishment is too vicious. Yeah. That doesn't quite happen. Uh, and also, this is a fictional story. I don't know. I think most reports say that that sort of stuff does not deter crime. But Otto doesn't necessarily buy into that. Plus, he seems to like it. He likes, he's kind of a vengeful dude. Well, he definitely likes being on this side of it. <laughs> uh, just like he often remarks about how people are like, when he was fighting cardiac while back cardiac's like, oh, your spider sense is no annoying. And I was like, it is when you're on your side or something like that. Like yeah. He's got comments basically being like, yeah, I feel your pain. This, yeah. <laughs> this does stink, but I like it now. Right, right. This story, this first arc also brings him back to the raft, which is where he almost died and where he like switched bodies with Peter Parker somehow. Mm-hmm. So he's having like memories of like, oh, I could have died here. I could have been you know, there, but for the grace of God went I sort of. Yeah, and uh, Smythe does attempt to escape. He has like little uh, spider uh, uh, or slayer bots. Lots lots uh, of bots. Lots of bots in the Superior Spider-Man story. You got Autobots, and Mm -hmm. then he makes Spider-Bots. Yeah, And now you got Slayer-Bots. Yeah, and these Slayer-Bots have to face off against the Spider-Bots. But also, like, this guy's got all these different ways he's thought about escaping. But because Otto was in this prison too, Otto's also thought about all these ways of escaping. And has sort of patched all the any way he considered escaping. He has now solved he's that problem, right? You so can't you see escape. The, yeah, you see the Slayer like, try to get up at the bench. You see the Slayer try to like punch through the wall, usually because he's detected which ones are weak, but they've all been blocked in advance by Superior Spider-Man. Yeah, Jameson and, was right to call him in. Yeah, and Smythe is furious. Is like, I've all I've been thinking about is how to escape here for months, and I was like, I thought about it first. Yeah, <laughs> which. Not just in the sense of I was sitting outside thinking about it. It's like I was here thinking about how I would escape yeah. just like you are. The, uh, yeah. the, the Slayer bots are very versatile. They, um, they, they, when he's about to be executed, like when he's in the room, the Slayer bots infiltrate and sort of form an armor around Slayer. I'm sorry, Smythe. But then the Slayer bots also fix all the supervillains. Like they somehow go onto Scorpion's face yeah. and form his jaw. They go into Vulture's eyes and give him sight. That's yeah, a big they, one. And yeah, they give like boomerang bigger boomerangs. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 yeah. The technology is a little comic booky in the sense that it seems to be able to do anything. Yeah. But it ends up being kind of like an action movie diehard thing where it's Jameson in a security guards uniform and Otto Spidey walking through the halls of the raft trying to track that. It's almost like alien. Like they're trying to track down Smythe, the, mm-hmm. the monster of this, of this arc It's kind of exciting. Yeah, and there's also the lizard is there, and the lizard has been revealed the very beginning of this arc. In, in the last few issues of Amazing Spider-Man, it was revealed that the lizard, uh, Kurt Connors is in control of the lizard's body, but is willingly staying in prison because he considers himself a monster. But that means a good guy is in charge of the lizard's super-powered body. Yes, and he does also get involved and helps Jameson out at some point. He's like the Calvary. He comes in and saves the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, And there's also a moment in the middle where basically Jameson grabs Spider-Man and goes, do whatever it takes, but Smythe cannot live through this day. He's dying today. He basically says in all but the most explicit terms, murder Smythe. Yep. Um, And um, Doc Ock does. Yeah. Um, And records Jameson saying that. He records Jameson saying that and so there's a brutal, a, yet another brutal Spidey Otto murder where he faces off against Smythe and Otto takes one of these Smythe tentacles and shoves it through his own chest, killing him. And then that takes a little while to kill him because there's like a supervillain-like thing where he doesn't quite die and then you got to do it again. But he, but he commits the murder that he promised and then he reveals to Jameson that he recorded it and so he uses that to blackmail Jameson into giving him access to the raft as a super lab he wants, so he, wants a, a la- he wants a he wants a layer, yeah. a super villain layer, and he gets it from Jameson through legitimate-ish means. There's also a fun moment where this Spider Slayer Smythe tries to basically do what Otto did to Peter and rewrite Spider-Man's brain and take over his body, did, like the same exact plan. Yeah, yeah. But because but, Otto had already shielded his neck, so that Peter couldn't do that to him. Uh, yes. and, and it's ineffective. It's funny how many people in the raft are just thinking about switching bodies. Yeah, it's a very something silly. about the raft. It comes. It just sort of comes to your mind. If you're if you're in the raft, you're like, maybe I should try to switch bodies with somebody. It is a very silly that uh, two villains have now tried to do, one successfully. One is tried to do like one is just has a very successful escape plan, just like a few you know weeks too late. Yeah, yeah. If he had done this like however many months ago in Spider Time, he would have done great. He yeah, had it would like, have been very successful. Yeah, he would have switched bodies with Spider-Man. I guess it'd be like the Superior Smythe or something like that. But this arc ends with Spider-Man in his new layer, happily on phone, whistling on the phone, calling the henchman hotline to hire henchmen. Yeah, it's a really funny. It's a really funny, like last panel of issue whatever thirteen, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, Te- "Technically, I am a new client, Spider-Man. No, I'm not joking." I need oh, 60, 70 men, ex military men who can take orders, you know, minions. <laughs> I'll have the specs for the uniform sent over. Uniforms. <laughs> a new uniform. Why not? What? No, that's all. Good day. <laughs> and he's like building a giant robot and whistling. And he is now in his element, the Dr. Oct- Octopus element of, you know, henchman C-based. layer uniforms. Yes, yeah. sea yeah, based. He's in master planner mode. Yeah. It's funny, um, how it's like, again, I, I'm just so impressed overall. Like, I <laughs> this story should be three issues, and slot is getting so much mileage out of it. When I say should be, I just mean like just generally that feels like how long this kind of story would be. But to make it a whole series with that, that's a whole multiple years, it's really mm-hmm. impressive to me. Yeah. And we're, we're at the point now where I would have thought you'd get like half an issue in to after Dr. Ock takes over. That he just immediately becomes villain Spidey, but we've seen it sort of incrementally head that way. Pretty fun. I really, I and, really enjoyed. I really enjoyed that little arc, Raft Smythe arc. Yeah, through this point of the story, uh, uh, really through this, through these, through issue sixteen, I was enjoying uh, every aspect of this. It did not feel like it was wearing thin. I was not tired. of oh, it. Yeah. I was not. I, I was totally not going agree. to bring Peter back or anything like that. The next batch, we're going to cover a bunch. It wasn't necessarily like I was waiting for it to be over, but there's... The, it's the, repetitive. The, the 2099 arc that's going to follow this and the Venom arc after this, I did not enjoy as much as everything that preceded it. And so I was sort of like, oh, these stories aren't as good. But then the end is really great. So uh, all said and done, this was a really fun 30-some issues. I wonder, you know, I wonder if it's the kind of thing where you know, Slot does a outline, however detailed it is, and then you start to do it. And only when you start to do it do you realize which ones fully pay off. You know, like probably had ideas for the 2099 or the Venom market. He's like, oh, this will be cool. And then he does it. It's like, oh, that didn't actually pay off yeah. as much as I kind of was thinking it might. Well, and also like, um, and I've done zero research into this, but I do remember him That's saying... That's our like, podcast style. Zero <laughs> yeah. research, zero prep. We're guests mm-hmm. on some other podcasts pretty soon. And we're getting a window into how much other podcasts prep. And let me just say that uh, we are at the bottom end of that spectrum of, uh, of prep and organization. Yeah, that's right. We are. Um, we're, we're, we're bad at this podcasting <laughs> thing. We're not the superior podcast hosts. <laughs> no, we are not. If Otto took over our bodies, the efficiency of this podcast would go up by like a thousand percent. That's right. That's right. But I think our, Let's our listeners... Let's release podcast bots throughout the city to find the perfect guests. Our listeners would be disappointed because I think they enjoy our... Uh, I, I assume our relatability and how bad we are at this (laughs) that yeah we're the people's podcasters they're like i I could do that yeah yeah we're the george w bush of presidents it's like yeah he's not good what a slam against george w bush yeah this podcast is going to take a heavy political turn going forward (laughs) we're going to like be going through all the american political figures and giving that Mm -hmm. heinz take Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. step aside trevor noah or whoever. I don't know. No, That's good. He's he's somebody. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what was my point? My point was, I think that this, when Dan Slott originally planned out this arc, it was not 31 issues. I think it was, but it was selling so well. They're like, can you extend it? I think was was basically what happened. Yeah. Like, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm this is where I'll do the end game. They're like, this is doing well. We should push it a little bit. And so he's like, great, I can do more stories. Now, I don't know if which stories were the ones that were added or what parts got stretched out. Like maybe it was the early stuff that got padded and that stuff's great. Uh, yeah. I, I really don't know. Yeah. Also like some stuff like the 2099 arc, I think was setting up a new spinoff comic featuring the 2099 Spider-Man. Like things right, like right. that happen. And that, and that op- the story often suffers when it's doing something more than just being a good story. And there's a companion book called the Superior Spider-Man uh, team up, I think. Or I think it was called Avenging Spider-Man, and it gets renamed Superior Team-Up. That also, so sort of, he's sort of dancing around. That does some stuff with the Sinister Six characters, mm. and that you know, honestly, there's some really good stuff in there. But because of that, and like, there's a Scarlet Spider title going now, and I think there's a Venom title going now. Um, and we're talking Venom. about this is around like 2013. This is all happening. That yeah, ish. It's basically. Spider-Man is the center of, like, his own little corner of the Marvel Universe. And because of that, Dan Slott is basically doing, like, the headlining book. And there's a moment where he either has to set up or create new things for new titles that other people end up writing and and working on. So that stuff's going on. And, like, while this is happening, I don't know how much that impacts what he's doing. You know, maybe we've talked about this before, but how much did the MCU, the success of the MCU, like, because like Avengers came out in 2012, you know, that was like such a massive movie. Um, Did that like diminish Spidey's prominence in the comic books? Because I'm just, I mean, it definitely, for example, Rose, Iron Man's prominence, Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's because he was such a popular character, so, so much more a popular character in the movies than it ever was in the books. I'm sure that must have had an effect on the comics, for example, maybe Avengers too, and similarly did spidey diminish because in a way i think spidey has a smaller footprint in the mcu than he did in the comics realm yeah well this stuff is definitely pre spider-man being in the mcu i believe right i don't think i don't think tom holland had shown up yet at this point that's right that's right so it's like if you're if you're an mcu fan and you love like the avengers and hulk and captain america you're you're spidey's not on your radar so much uh, well, Marvel definitely did a lot of things to focus on the stuff that they owned through and through. Like they they kind of shoved the X-Men off into the corner, basically being like, well, we don't own the X-Men. They're too popular to just stop doing. As comic books, you're saying. Yeah. Let's not let's not put a ton in, in there. Because we won't be as, able to make movies out of it. Or Yeah. And especially as far as like connective tissue with the main Marvel stuff. It's like if we generate a storyline that is very Cyclops-centric, we can't make a movie based on that. Right. That's just creating a story that Fox can make a movie based on. Yeah. And same thing for Spider-Man. Like, they weren't making Spider-Man movies, and they weren't making Fantastic Four movies. So, Fantastic Four gets canceled. X-Men sort of gets shoved in the corner. They try to, like, make the Inhumans big for a while. Like, to make the Inhumans sort of replace the X-Men. Right. Like, fill sort of the role of sort of the outsider other Perse- race persecuted yeah yeah it doesn't take because the inhumans are not as cool as the x-men right right um but for a while they definitely were trying that that's why miss marvel's origin is sort of tied into the inhumans it was part of this whole inhumans oh, yeah because she definitely seems like more mutantish to me yeah I mean, like she- te- teenager powers outcasts like that's an x-men yeah but that she's an inhuman Mm-hmm. technically. For a while, I also I think when Quesada took over, he, Marvel Comics weren't that good at that point and I think it was basically like, well, let's fix them. We can't fix everything at once. Let's just focus on certain areas. Mm-hmm. And the first thing they focused on, I think, was like Marvel Central, basically. Captain America, Iron Man, yeah. Avengers Hulk. characters. Yeah. And they made like the Avenger, like Brian Michael Bendis made a pitch. It's like, well, if you want Avengers to sell, put Spidey and Spider-Man Wolverine. and Wolverine in it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, do that. You do it. He's like, I don't want to write it. But then they're like, well, you do it. He's like, okay. And it became like this huge best-selling comic. And so like Avengers and Iron Man and Captain America became like really, and Thor became bigger titles. Hmm. And then after that sort of was steady, they focused on Spider-Man. And their big thing for Spider-Man was making him not married anymore and trying to like get rid of some of the baggage of adulthood. Make him more like young guy hero that he... Originally was yeah get back I mean they don't make him a teenager again but they definitely like grad student put him in like a nebulous collegey age again where like obviously you can be married and be getting your PhD lots of people are but you start feeling older right 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 when you're married and or uh, been married for a long time and are either uh, you know just working an adult job and that sort of stuff like they had to get rid of some of those trappings so that was sort of their focus on him. Uh, they tried a number of things with the X-Men. They tried to like reduce how many mutants there were and different things like that. Uh, at this point now, Marvel owns the rights to Fantastic Four and X-Men, or Disney does. So yeah, the they've only all come they under one roof. Everything but Spider-Man, which they don't have full control over, mm. uh, is now Disney. So I think they're less... Like X-Men are now being brought back into the fold and, and Fantastic Four title is back and all this sort of other stuff. Spider-Man, again, they never got rid of, but, uh, but it definitely wasn't their first priority because I think it wasn't one they could make movies based on. I wonder if that's just why Slot was able to do such a crazy story where he essentially murders Peter Parker. Yeah, it's temporary ultimately, but like yeah. what a crazy move to just get rid of, <laughs> you know, yeah. your main character essentially. Slot had been on the title for a while at this point. So I, uh, there's also an aspect, I think, that he had sort of proven himself. He's yeah. he's very good at creating spider-centric events, which is what the comics universe needs to sell the book, right? Mm-hmm. Good quality Spider-Man story, like month in, month out, ah, another good Spider-Man story wouldn't sell as well as Spider-Island, which is one of his storylines where everyone gets spider powers or the Spider-Verse or this superior Spider-Man. So he was very good about being like, I'll tell a handful of stories and I'll build up to this big like event. Yeah. And then I'll tell some good stories and then I'll build up to the next big event. All right. Thank Uh, you for that MCU talk. I appreciate uh, it. uh, So a lot of that stuff was happening. So I don't necessarily actually think Spider-Man ever became diminished, but certainly the focus, the energy that they were working to make uh, titles big was not focused on Spider-Man for a while. At this point, it was. When they kind of, at this point, he's not married anymore. When that happened, they sort of like put their focus back on Spider-Man And one of the big things they did other than unmarrying him was get rid of Spectacular and Web and all the other Spider titles and just have one title that came out like three times a month. Okay. And that was called Brand New Day and had multiple writers working on it. Hmm. Uh, And then after that ran for a few years, Dan Slott took over as the only writer and I think it became twice a month. Rad, I love it. So, because I think their mindset was like, it might sell a little, Amazing will sell a little less if we put it out three times a month. Each issue will sell less. Mm -hmm. The other two issues will sell better than Web or Spectacular ever did because it'll all be amazing. If you like add up whatever the sales of Amazing, Spectacular and Web Mm -hmm. of Spider-Man were for a given month, that'll be- Compare that to the three issues of Amazing that you're getting now, they're doing better. Yeah, interesting. So, and they're building towards that again. They're going to do another like group- The next creative team is a group of creators that are going to kind of write the next run of Spider Man. Hmm. Anyway, let's take a break and then let's talk about issue 14, Will. Exciting. Hi, this is Kevin. I'm here with my brother, Will, and we are the hosts of Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics, our weekly podcast about comic books. And we want to hear from you. We have a slew of social media accounts. A slew. You can email us at screwitcomics at gmail.com or see us on Instagram at screwitcomics or tweet at us at screwitcomics. So tell us what you think of the comics you like or the comics you don't or things we've talked about on our episodes. Or send us some life advice. You can tell that we need it. Yes. Uh, We might read your message on a future episode of our show. So thanks in advance from Screw It we're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media we're back uh, during our break Will was just cast in the new Fantastic Four movie as can't Invisible Woman it. I can't believe it it's uh, sure John Krasinski is going to be Reed Richards so a big fan casting but instead of Emily Blunt they went with you mm-hmm I mean, I'm uh, going to do my best. I'm a huge fan of The Burn Issues. Haven't really read it yeah. since. But uh, yeah. I'm excited to bring some of that 80s sensibility. I'm going to get a a cool haircut, like sort of Grace Jones in a Bond movie style and haircut. You, and you were also in consideration to play both The Thing and The Human Torch, sort of in a Mike Myers, Eddie Murphy, multiple roles type mm-hmm. thing. Those have not been, they have not decided. No, they haven't decided. I'm Fingers crossed. I would love yeah. to have. John Krasinski and me as the Fantastic Four. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it works out. I'm excited to see that. <laughs> and film. I will do thing in a fat bastard voice. Uh in a sure homage is. to Mike Myers. He reads Scottish. Yeah. Ah, read. It's in time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that's how i that's the voice in my head. Yeah, me too. Read. Ah, Yancy Street. Yeah. Poison Sim for ye. Yeah, right, that's right. And uh Johnny's always had sort of a Lorne Michaels-ish. Anyway, we'll see, how it, we'll see how it works out. Hopefully Mini- you get those parts. Yeah, they're, really, they're taking some big swings in the MCU. And that's got to be the biggest. But, you know, hey. Hey. Uh, and, and, and everyone trusts the Marvel uh, decision-making. Mm-hmm. Um, so issue 14, I picked it. It's a weird issue to cover because it, it, it deals with a storyline called Shadowland, which is a Daredevil storyline that, in my opinion, was terrible. And in, in this storyline, like, that, I don't know, the hand took over Hell's Kitchen, led by Daredevil. Somehow, like, Daredevil goes evil. <laughs> uh, it, it didn't quite make sense. A lot of the street-level Marvel heroes were involved, like Luke Cage and Spider-Man and things you're, like that. Yeah, you're, you're, you're punchers. And I, and, at some, and at some point, like, Daredevil's title just ends. And he gets relaunched in a little bit, and it's better afterwards. But like the remnant of it was like that Kingpin is running the hand, which is like this ninja clan that Electro was involved it's part with, part magic, part yeah. And he's just like got a ninja base in Hell's Kitchen, and it sort of is a dumb, doesn't quite work storyline. I mean, I love so these hot takes, Kevin. I love the hot takes. Let me know that you. Let me know why you don't like it. It, it doesn't make it. like this storyline that we're reading now with Otto taking over Spider Man is also dumb. So like a lot of it is just execution, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, But it just, it was muddled. It didn't quite work. It was too big for Daredevil. Daredevil doesn't deal well with as like citywide events like that as much as like Spider-Man could pull off. And like, it didn't really have much, like this is the first time it's come up in the entire Superior Spider-Man that Kingpin is like running a ninja clan in the city. (laughs) It it, it is silly. But this storyline is basically the Superior Spider-Man is like, I'm going to take care of this. I'm gonna clean up this problem. Yeah, which honestly, good for him. <laughs> Kevin's, in, you're like Jameson. You're like in favor of Superior Spider-Man right now. If there was a ninja clan in New York City right now, and a superhero was like, "I'm going to get rid of all those evil ninjas," yeah, not saying you'd be like good. I'd be like good. We used to work in Hell's Kitchen. This would have affected our lives, Kevin. Yeah, it would have made the commute rough. <laughs> I mean, I I knew nothing of this. So when I read this issue and we start from the point of view of some civilians who live next door to Shadowland Mm -hmm. and have to deal with these crazy ninjas just in their lives. I was like, what is this? Yeah. It's just a Like, it looks like the forbidden city from Beijing. Like, there's just a walled kingdom in the middle of Hell's Kitchen. Like, yeah. And I don't even fully I don't even fully remember how Kingpin ended up in charge of it, but he is a major Daredevil villain. So I think it was just like someone rolled the dice. It was like one side said bullpen, bullseye. One side said Kingpin. Yeah. It came up Kingpin. So he got it. I mean, Marvel Marvel Comics and all episodic comics are a funny experiment of like, what if you just let a story run way too long? Yeah. Like, what if there was a Godfather movie every year? You know, the Corleone clan would be like, you know, running a startup. You know, and, and like and have a publicity arm and a paparazzi like the, the story would have just gotten insane. Like you just have to do stuff. Yeah, they, they've announced the next kind of elevator pitch for the next Spider-Man story. And one of the complaints about it is it feels like it's been done before. And no. And like uh, people are like not super excited by it. And sort of my reaction was, I can't remember ever a storyline being announced to me going, oh, completely different. I'm so excited for this. Yeah. It's sometimes you read it. It's great. Sure. But it's like it's like, oh Otto Octavius is back with the Sinister Six. It's like, Yeah, okay. Or just any supervillain is back with a group of other villains. Like everything sounds like something that's been done before. Right. It's very hard to come up with a pitch that sounds both completely new and completely good and completely true to the character. So it's like, uh, maybe it'll work. Do you remember like Titanic, like before Titanic came out and it was like, it was growing over budget and being pushed and like they weren't releasing it when they thought. I I remember thinking like, oh, this movie's going to be bad. Yeah. Like uh, they're, uh, they're hiding a bomb. Like James Cameron bit off more than he could chew and it's super long. Then I remember finally going to see being like this is great like this movie is great yeah you know you have to just wait and see if they're able to pull it off yeah uh you just new ideas are are far and few between and even when they like john wick the first john wick movie is so great and so fun but like as a movie it's just like oh this assassin wants revenge i've seen that movie a thousand yeah. times over yeah and they just they just did it well and it's fun and it's great and now there's yeah. been three more of them i don't know why it works and to some extent, it's just like oh, just stylish and cool, and some fun ideas in there. But as far as like an elevator pitch for that movie, I don't care. But let's I, get I'll, into the, let's get into this issue. I've ruined this episode by distracting you to milk some more Kevin Hines hot takes. Uh, yeah. So the first two pages deals with like, this family that's sort of like down in the dumps because they live next to ninjas or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of presented like they're having a midlife crisis on like, God, my life isn't what I thought it would be. But the way that it's not what he thought it would be is he's living in the shadowland of like a feudal ninja village. Yeah. It's tough to feel like you're supporting your family and protecting them when they are evil ninjas everywhere. You feel like a failure as a father. There's a lot of Bruce Springsteen songs about how, like, you're working at the coal mine, you got your union card, and you're next to a, a ninja enclave. So, at the end uh, of this two pages, a giant robot emerges and we cut away. That's right. You just hear tomb, tomb, tomb. And, like, this guy looks out the window and goes, Holy. Yeah. And then we cut the Shadowland where Kingpin and his ninja army are taking advantage of the power vacuum that Spider-Man has created by catching a bunch of mob bosses. Kingpin and his ninjas are like, this is great for us. Just how many Kingpin stories start with him looming over a map? I feel like this guy is just constantly Mm -hmm. looking over maps and moving figures around. So that image to me is just very classic Kingpin. But when I saw just like a room of ninjas watching him move Mm -hmm. the things around, I'm like, what's happening. Why do you need a bunch of guys in cloaks and hoods? He also has the Hobgoblin working for him. Now, this is not the Hobgoblin of the 80s. This is a new Hobgoblin uh Ben Yurick's nephew Phil Yurick <laughs> uh, Ben Yurick being a, a reporter for the Daily Bugle Phil Yurick uh for a little while was a Green Goblin good a good guy Green Goblin for a very short-lived series that ran like 13 issues that I think was pretty fun cool hip, cool hip Green Goblin it had art by this guy Scott McDaniel who I thought was a really fun artist and uh it, it was basically that Phil Yurick stumbled on Green Goblin tech and was like I'm going to use this to become a hero yeah uh, and he he was bad at it. He like he was str- like you know he's just a guy who just had all this tech. Yeah, did not really understand this tech, trying to figure it out. And there's something very fun about it. The it greatest American well. goblin, kind of. Yeah, it didn't sell super well, and it got canceled. But now, at some point between then and now, Phil Yurick kind of went full villain. And uh, has adopted the Hobgoblin name. And he's got sort of his own Hobgoblin costume. He has to pay the the original Hobgoblin licensing rights. (laughs) Which is very (laughs) silly. Uh, And he's sort of the reverse Spider-Man. Like he is going around doing crime as the Hobgoblin and then like, selling video of himself doing those crimes to the bugle but the bugle just has a lot of guys on staff who are have secret identities that give them access to news stories yeah it's a smart way to run a newspaper anyway so he works for the kingpin too uh but the kingpin gets interrupted from his planning because of this tomb tomb giant robot walk and outside there is a giant spider robot with spider-man inside it and all these like little spider robots with all his henchmen, like basically an army of supervillains. Spider-Man shows him this giant robot. And then basically there's just a supervillain fight between his army of soldiers versus the Kingpin's ninjas. Yeah, and it's a it's a really well-drawn fight. Yeah. Roberto uh, Ramos is the artist. Uh, he's great. You know, action I kind of gloss over, but the emotional thing here is it's it's the family that we saw in the opening. And all of the people who have lived in the shadow of Shadowland are kind of relieved that Otto has gotten involved. He's kind of their hero. Like, he is saving them. Yeah, and he's doing it in a way like, oh, there's a bunch of soldiers around protecting them. Like, some of his minions are there to protect them. His also spider bots can generate force fields, so they're nearby to also protect them. Like, he is not putting the people at risk. He's doing a good job of being a superhero in a way here because he is protecting everyone and getting rid of a significant evil. He's, he's doing what superheroes do, right? They don't have to wait for they're uh, Yeah, they're, vigil- they're vigilantes. Yeah, they don't need to go through all. They can skip all the red tape and take out these villains. Uh, but mean, also what, protecting everyone. Jame, Mayor Jameson is watching this happen. He seems to be like in his robe at breakfast on a laptop, seeing this go down. Or maybe it's the middle of the night, and he got up and like watched this. And he's infuriated because he didn't authorize this, and he doesn't like that. But Spidey's out of his control now because Spidey can blackmail him at any time with his kill Smythe video yeah it's a very funny conversation spider-man gets this call from jameson he's like this isn't a good time mr mayor i'm a little busy at the moment and jameson goes oh this shouldn't take too long adventure i just have one tiny little question for you what in sam hill do you think you're doing yeah like he, he really played up the comedy of his own delivery there I mean, jameson's like, eh. one of the all-time great comedy characters yeah in certainly in comic books, really ever. Like, he's just the funniest person. But he calls up face like, Oh, yeah, can I talk to you for a second? What are you doing? Like, why wasn't he yelling for moment one? <laughs> Wouldn't be funny. Wouldn't be funny And Jonah knows comedy. Oh, and Spidey has like iron arms in this battle. So he's got, yep. he's basically like a kind of a mini octopus here. Yeah, he's got his, uh, his metal tentacle uh, spider arms. You're allowed to uh, get also, those in the video game. It's kind of fun. He, he insists that Jameson, push through with his government connections, make it legal retroactively. Yeah. Yeah. And Jameson is furious about this, but he, he has to do it because, you know, Spider-Man has got this blackmail on him of him asking Spider-Man to kill. Yeah. And um, Jameson puts up, you know, Jameson's in the role of the voice of reason here. Um, Casualties. Think of the lives that'll be lost, man. I beg of you. But he's like, Nope, I'm protecting those lives. The only people who are going to die are the ninjas who, (laughs) this is very funny. Lives, what lives? All the civilians are under my protection. And Fisk's, quote, men, these hand ninjas, turn to dust once dispensed with. Yep, that's true. (laughs) The only bodies to be found will be those of Hobgoblin, a known felon, and Wilson Fisk, the kingpin of crime. Yeah. Hard to argue with uh, Spidey Otto. A few pages earlier, there's a bit where the, the soldiers or t- the minions are talking to the citizens and they're like, what, 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 we're nervous about these giant guns you have. And the minions go, they're only trained on Shadowland, ma'am, though uh, we'd advise you keep a safe distance. <laughs> yeah. awesome. It isn't like totally non-threatening. I mean, there is a lot of violence happening around them, but there must have been a comic already that just follows the life of a henchman who goes from gang to gang. Like, that's just such yeah. a huge employment opportunity for, like, a certain type of criminal who doesn't want to, like, have to outline the big picture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kingpin hears that Spider-Man is going to kill him uh, and says to himself, the voice is the same, but that's not the Spider-Man I know. He's going to kill us and damn the consequences. So he runs into this back room where there is a Kingpin lookalike. He <laughs> <laughs> was, like, had his and- DNA and fingerprints and dental records changed to match the Kingpin and just sits in a back room eating popcorn and playing video games. Yeah. It's the kind of job I feel like I had during the pandemic. This guy related to this guy more than any character in the story. Yeah. Kingpin kills that guy. Snaps his neck. So now he's got a body to leave as a decoy. Yep. He abandons Hobgoblin. Yep. And Kingpin escapes. Hobgoblin also tries to escape. He's nervous because spider bots are everywhere watching for him. But. Uh, But yeah, Green Goblin has wired the spider bots to not detect anybody dressed as a goblin. (laughs) So, I mean, that's a really funny like confluence of the plot lines, but also like the technology seems to be if you look like a goblin at all, Mm -hmm. like if you have a goblin tattoo on your arm, Mm -hmm. if you're dressed like a goblin. Yeah. God, what a funny universe where just goblin has become one of the archetypes (laughs) where there's just multiple and multiple goblins and a hierarchy of goblins. Like what a silly name to have to be saying all the time in the Spider-Man city. Green goblin, yeah. hobgoblin, goblin, mercenaries, minions, you know, multiple goblins. You just get, the word just becomes meaningless after a while. Yeah. yeah. Thaw a goblin on the way to work. Uh, the parade is delayed because of goblins. Oh, yes. Yeah, Spider-Man was fighting the green goblin. Which Spider-Man? Which green goblin? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Spidey Otto is successful. Shadowland is destroyed. And he publicly links himself to Jameson, sort of protecting himself. Yeah, Jameson is shown clutching his head, going, "Ah, that blackmailing bug! He's got me right where he wants me, right under his webbed thumb." We're in cahoots, cahoots. Now it's he's having very funny. He's being given a reason to hate Spider-Man, although of course he didn't need one all these years, anyway. But yeah, it's very funny. Uh, Shadowlands looks safe, except there's like still drug dealers who have like goblin tattoos that the spider bots can't see. And the Green Goblin recruits the, the remaining hand ninjas that weren't turned to dust into his little army. Right. So all along, we're just continuing to increase Green Goblin's power in the at the tail end of a lot of these arcs and stories. Yeah. And again, I, I like this issue, even though it's dealing with a lot of plots that are not originating in this superior Spider-Man storyline because of just how insane and big like this is i think where spider-man takes a big step forward in his insanity like we've we've covered the issue where he's killed we've covered the issue where uh he's erased peter parker and in this issue he's gone full-on minions and war Exciting. And then there's two more issues that we'll just cover real quickly about the Hobgoblin with because uh, he doesn't find the Hobgoblin's body in Shadowlands, so he wants to hunt down the Hobgoblin. Right. And so tell me all the people in the Hobgoblin's universe because I'm confused. The Tinkerer's involved, and then the so Tinkerer has an assistant, and that's not Phil Uric, right? That's not Phil Uric. So, yeah, the tinker has got an assistant who is like – his name is Tyler Stone, who will play into the next arc more. Okay, And he's, he's just work- like a- – He's like he's, he's like the tinker. He's good at making gadgets. And yeah, stuff. he used to work at the uh, Horizons Lab where Peter Parker works, and he is okay. basically evilish. He he's lost a, his job for reasons I can't remember. He's a real good-looking um, nerd. He's easy on the eyes. Well, Tyler Stone is also the name of a character from the Spider-Man 2099 series that Peter David did. Oh, uh, a while ago, and that'll all be, and we'll talk about that next episode real briefly. Will but okay. Uh, okay. Basically, he is the, the main villain of the 2099 universe. He grows up to be uh, a corporate bad guy. Lex Luthor style. Yes, that's right. Okay. All right. So, um, um, but yeah. So, he's around and then there's like bugle people. Uh, Phil Yurik is dating Nora. I, I, forget, I forget her last name. Nora Winters, maybe. Uh, who is sort of like, a, I'll do what it takes to get the story type of reporter. Maybe cross a few lines if I get the story. Who cares? A little bit of sensationalism first. Um, she's Phil York's girlfriend, but she mostly likes him because he gets her good stories. She's, she uses people, she mm. takes advantage of people. Yeah. Um, evil, evil woman. Evil ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have uh, Carly Cooper and uh, Captain Wat- Watabney. Uh, Watnabi. Watnabi, uh, who are looking into the fact that Spider Man is not who he says he is. Mm-hmm. That's all yeah. happening too while this is happening. Yeah, this issue is kind of mostly a setup for the next issue. It's like a lot of threads are kind of being revisited. We're seeing that he still likes Anna Marconi, and she's covering for him as he misses classes. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that um, uh, Goblin is still messing around with stuff. He does have a fight with Hobgoblin in this issue, but it's he's kind of unsuc- he seems to be unsuccessful. But he ends up putting tracers onto the Hobgoblin so we can find him later. Right, and Green Goblin also turns off the uh, the the Goblin. Uh, scanning device uh, screener, like, like So the spider bots can now detect goblins because he just wants to get the hobgoblin caught. He wants, he doesn't like that the hobgoblin is taking advantage of his scheme. Yeah, the hobgoblin is basically on. lucked into the green goblins plot. He doesn't like that. And so Spider-Man figures out who the hobgoblin is and outs him. Uh, yeah. So this issue ends where he publicly announces the identity and it's Phil Urich. And uh, that's where we end issue 15. Right. And then issue 16, Basically, the bugle's like, "Is this for real? Are you really him?" And he denies it for a little bit, but eventually just caves and's like, "Yeah, I'm the Hobgoblin." <laughs> uh, Spider Man shows up. There's a big fight. Carly Cooper and the Wraith, Captain What uh, are figuring out that Spider Man pays his minions through hidden bank accounts. Yep. they so they're on the trail. They're following the money. Hobgoblin is caught, but then is uh, at the end of the issue is freed by one of the Green Goblin's minions and brought to the Green Goblin and kind of taken into the fold. He's like, okay, now you're one of my guys. You've been beaten and humbled. So now you're un- you're subservient to me, so I accept you. And again, this is all just building towards the big Green Goblin storyline that we're going to talk about more next episode. Yeah, we are we wrapping it up next episode? Yeah, next episode we're going to wrap it up. Uh, we're going to real briefly talk about the 2099 arc. Or probably a long episode. We'll talk about the 2099 and Venom arcs real briefly, and mm-hmm. then we'll go in depth on this Green Goblin finale. I can't wait. How much um, have you read? I, I am. This is. I'm now caught up with issue 16, so I got to start oh, now. Man. I'm excited. Yeah, I think you're going to like the end. Um, the end uh, is good. The end. The uh, last I'm arc. I'm is really, really excited fun. to read it. We're also reading a lot of X Men, and I'm I've been really loving the old Claremont stuff. Yeah, next week we'll be back with another Mutants and Mailbags. We'll cover the next five issues or so of X-Men. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where, where we're at there, like 114 to 119, something like that. We can't be bothered with issue numbers. What are we, other podcasts? Yeah, we are... I know the next issue is right after it seems like the X-Men have died fighting Magneto. Yeah. Beast and, um, Jean Grey and like Phoenix the- are the only ones who seem to have survived. Yeah, that's right. So we'll talk about that, uh, next week. Once we'll there's some mail, if you want to mail us, you can mail us at screw it at gmail.com. Yeah, we have a Twitter account, screw it comics. We a lot of hot takes looking to get canceled. Mm-hmm. And then we also, um, have an Instagram screw it comics, um, where Kevin posts cool screenshots of the art. And also we do, we do post there like what issues we're covering because, because we have a moment to gather ourselves and look it up. Yeah. So if you're looking to to stay abreast of what issues we're covering in the future, follow our Instagram. And then we'll probably, you know, at some point we're going to plan another season of guests. That stuff is brewing too. Yeah, we got to get on that. We have, to, we have to do some planning. Ugh. Ugh, who are we? And um, yeah, so uh, join us next episode for some mutants. And then the episode after that, big long monster episode where we wrap up Superior Spider-Man. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to end with Otto winning. Me too. I think Peter Parker's done. Okay. All right. See you next episode. Bye everyone. Bye. Screw it. I'm Kate Thompson. Campfire.